I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. We don't believe you shouldn't be here. Welcome to Lockdown Mavs. This is one of your co-host Isaac Harris of Mavs.com, writer at Mavs.com, co-host of this podcast. And today I'm joined by somebody I've been so excited to be on this podcast. She writes about the Mavericks. That's what we all know her by. But she also likes The Bachelor. So we're going to bond about that in later on in the pod. But Callie Kaplan, Dallas Morning News. Callie, how are you feeling? I am feeling probably a lot better than the Mavericks are after losing three of the last four. So thank you for having me on. <laughs> yes, we're gonna. I'm gonna quiz uh, Callie about all the Mavericks problems, everything. Ask her basically if Rick Carlisle calls Callie and says, "Hey, fix this team." Uh, Callie's gonna give all the secrets to it. But seriously, I we hyped you up a few weeks ago just because of just the awesome work you've been doing covering the Mavs and just coming on board. How okay, it's been what? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this is my, I guess you could say, second full season. I kind of got thrown onto it in the middle of Luca's rookie year, like every now and then, but this is year two, but first mostly full season. Last year it wasn't really a full season in my book. <laughs> yeah. And even now it's like weird because we're not there, but we're kind of, it's, it's a weird thing. But you have, yeah, to step on in a beat writer type role and, just kill it like you have. We have thoroughly enjoyed your coverage. And I know Mavs fans, if for some reason around the world you're not following Callie on Twitter, follow Callie on Twitter. She just wrote this awesome piece about Tyrese Maxey. I live in Garland, so I, I, I haven't lived here too long, like six, seven years. And uh, to read a story about Tyrese Maxey who's from here, I thought that was really cool. So, yes, go read Callie's piece on Tyrese Maxey. Thank you. Okay, uh, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app. Join me this week on Thursday. Nick and I will be on Locker Room talking about Mavericks, taking all the questions. It's changing the way we talk about sports. Callie, Joel Embiid, do you do you write this up as Joel Embiid is just that good, or do the Mavericks have a problem that they need to figure out with bigs? Maybe a little bit of both. I think tonight was mostly Joel Embiid was that good and they didn't have Chris Porzingis, which doesn't solve all of your problems and maybe doesn't solve most of them when it comes to the fouls that just seem to pile up so quickly for them. But I would say, and Rick said even before the game, that between Embiid and Zion, those are probably the two most powerful bigs, the most powerful front court players that the Mavericks will play this year in the league. Um, and you saw that when the Mavericks have had trouble with Zion in the past. And so I think you chalk up tonight as, you know, getting a lot of foul trouble in all aspects of whoever you expected to replace KP tonight. And so probably more so that than any sort of like full fledged, like major issue going on. Yeah. I watched, I was all in the camp that Joel Embiid was the MVP. Then he gets hurt. And so then I, me, like a lot of people are like, all right, well, who's the MVP now? Is it Jokic? And then, I can't help. I just got sucked back into it tonight of watching Embiid. I'm like, how is he not the MVP, especially if the Sixers are, you know, first or second in the East. And it, yeah, like you said, it was foul trouble at the beginning. Maxi gets, you know, two quick fouls. He goes out and it's like, all right, KP's already out. Now Maxi's out. And they just tried. I think Melly was the first guy in the game after that. And then it was just a group effort. And Embiid just had his way. I didn't say the score, but Philly won 110 to 93. 
it honestly felt like a 20 point game most of the game <laughs> yeah it wasn't that close <laughs> did it did it make you cringe at the end that luca and some of the starters were still in when dallas was down by like 20 um or did you like it i mean i like it it goes to show you that they're not gonna just roll over and and call it a game but at that point i think it was the fourth quarter right and so none of philly starters played in the fourth quarter and so i guess you can kind of look at that as an opening of okay well maybe this is our chance to cut it close and make philly sweat a little bit but you're on the second night of a back-to-back. You're without your second-best player. Um, it just it felt a little bit far-fetched. So yes. I don't think it's cringing, but it definitely didn't feel like it was some sort of like inspired, guaranteed comeback uh, looming in the distance. <laughs> that that yes, I I agree with you. I felt the same way. Joel Embiid had 36 points. He had seven rebounds, 10 of 17 from the field. He shot 14 of 15 from the free throw line. I feel like, and he didn't even play the fourth quarter. So. I did feel like he lived at the free throw line in the first half. And I mean, that's just, but there really wasn't a ton of calls that I questioned. I think it was just what they had to do against a guy like Embiid. So, okay. Would Dallas take back the Josh Richardson trade hmm. if they could? Um, No, I don't think that they would, at least as their stated public you know, proclamation when, whenever they've been asked about the trade. And I think that has more to do with defense. I know Richardson's been very streaky when it comes to offense. And some nights you're just like, wow, like Mavs won this trade. This is a two-way guy they should resign next year and really make sure that they can, you know, include him in that core that they built around. And then other nights you're like, ooh, they could really use another third player or a fourth player stepping up here. And um, he would be a natural one to look to, and he just doesn't. Um, but I think – the fact that he he sets that defensive tone and Finney Smith is going to be probably your number one defender in most situations, but he's going to be the number your top defender at the at a, at a guard position for the most part. And he's going to, you know, kind of help set that tone and help establish that the defense has to be better than it has in the past. And it, it has for the most part. Maybe tonight is not a great example of that, but I don't think that they would take it back just because they got better defensively and that was their stated goal. And I think that's helped them be a more comprehensive team when they do have their full starting lineup and their full lineup in general out there. Um, Curry obviously can give you a lot, but sometimes we tend to forget that he was also injured a lot. And so Jefferson might have down games where he's not producing, but that's kind of the same thing as Seth Curry not being out there at all. Um, And and I don't want to say the exact same thing, but you can kind of look at it in that view where maybe you're not losing as much offense as you think you are because he's out there just not producing as much as Curry might have been from the, or no, Curry's not producing as much from the bench as as Richardson would have been in there, if that makes any sense at all. No, it does. Yeah. No, 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 that was good. I I think sometimes we just fell in love with the Curry three-point number that we, you know, like a lot of us forgot that he didn't really start a ton. He was coming off the bench. It's, you know, in a way, I feel like, you know, we, and Josh was brought in as this, you know, the Mavericks hyped him. He's like, hey, we've been looking for a point guard defender. And we feel like we have that in Josh. And yeah, Josh has been streaky, but not to do the like, you know, cliche or the excuse route, but Josh also had COVID. And just that whole process for Josh getting, you know, recovering from COVID and coming back from that to be back to normal, you know, normal Josh. Uh, He has been a little streaky at time, a little consistency stuff with that. But yes, I I agree with you. I don't think Dallas would take that back. I think they would stay where they're at. 
And I don't think either either side has necessarily lost the trade or won the trade. I think it's just a a solid exchange of of differing interests in what you wanted to improve or what yes. you needed. <laughs> Very diplomatic answer, but <laughs> I, think it's I love that Callie Saker is the diplomatic uh, route to this. Like Rick Carlisle's listening to this podcast right now, so you have 100%. to take the diplomatic route to it. <laughs> uh, Okay, we're going to take a break real quick. Let me talk about Locker Room. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, insiders, real-time about your favorite team or sport. We are hosting one on Thursday night to talk about the Mavericks. Come talk about KP, Luka, everything. you have a chance to chat with us and honestly sometimes we use the podcast or use the audio on our podcast be sure to join us this week we'll host be hosting one thursday night download the free locker room app now currently available on all ios devices be sure to create a profile link or twitter and join the nfl mlb nhl nba whatever group you want for all the latest updates see you there locker room changing the way we talk about sports also this pod's brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers it makes of all the different brands of cars and models out there, it's impossible to stock all of your parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intim- intimidating questions about your car and all the parts you need? Go to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine control models and broke brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic daily driver, get everything you need a few easy clicks. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. They know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices. Guys, locked on today. Listen to Peter Bukowski. 20 minutes every day. Latest sports news for you. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Callie, can I ask you what you thought? Or what, let's, let's save KP Luca for just a tad bit later. Luca after the game said something about the play in tournament. And I honestly I feel exactly how he feels about it. What are your thoughts about the play in tournament? Do you like it? Should it be in place? So I don't know if I like it or not. Here, I'll I'll let you know a secret. I did not follow the NBA before this was my job. And so I've only paid attention for the last couple of years. So on one hand, I think it's fun. I think that that would loop in people who were like me before that you know, maybe just have a casual interest and not an every night kind of nitty gritty into the sport kind of interest. And I think if you were like, Hey, this is a winner go home playoff game before it's actually the finals, I would, people like me might be more willing to watch. And so from that maybe more business side aspect of it, I like it a lot. Um, from the other side of it as somebody who now watches these guys grind every night for months and months and months in a row, I kind of fall where Luca is, where is that really fair? Um, you know, is it, fair that the Mavs are going to be, you know, if they can kind of continue on this track, going to be several games in front of whoever the nines and the 10 is. And even possibly like if it's Memphis or San Antonio in the eight, they're going to be several games above. Is that fair to kind of put them in a situation where they have to win one or two games just to prove that they're worthy of getting in Um, or, you know, any team in the Mavs situation? Is it, is it fair that, yeah, I'm from DC. Is it fair that the wizards could have, almost the same odds of getting in is some team that is like not anywhere <laughs> close to as bad as they are this year. And so, you know, from, from a player's perspective, I totally get where Luca's coming from, but from, you know, a viewer and from maybe the business perspective, I think that that create could create some more 
top of the funnel interest to get more eyeballs on these games early in the playoffs. Yeah, I get it from a marketing money standpoint. Like you're going to make money if you're the NBA, especially, I mean, there's a chance this could be Luca and Zion and Steph Curry and John Morant. Like, I mean, that's an exciting first weekend, but I'm with Luca on that of like, dang, like if you're 10 games above somebody or how, and you can just, you know, a rolled, a Luca rolled ankle away from losing two games and you're just done. I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I feel like I'm like the old, old man, get off my lawn type thing when I say that, but I just don't. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of it. So, but you know what? I'm going to watch it. And I feel like we all have things in our life that we enjoy and we're like, Hey, that's entertaining, but you also would be down if it like left your life too. And that's how I feel about uh, the play, the plans. Okay. You, you just snuck in there that you're from DC. So what do you have allegiance to one of the teams up there? Washington football team, Wizards. I don't even know what what else what other teams are up there. What's the hockey team? NBA, NBA, no. The Capitals are the hockey okay. team. Um, my family the Caps. Like they won the Stanley Cup a couple years ago. My brother plays hockey. He's younger than I am. Oh, so Ovechkin. Um, he likes Ovechkin. But oh yes, definitely <laughs> Ovechkin stuff all over the house. But no, the Ravens were the team that I grew up on. I grew up on a lot of football. Um, not a big NBA city around here, but yes, uh, we can very much bond over the Ravens and the bachelor if you'd like, because I have a lot of, a lot of history with both. (laughs) This isn't even locked on Mavericks anymore. I've talked about the Ravens so much on this podcast and I'm going to get DMS tomorrow from people now and they could see my reaction. My stepmother growing up was from Baltimore. She, my very first football game ever. I watched Ray Lewis come out of the tunnel in Baltimore. I was like, I don't know, nine or 10. And I was just locked in. I'm like, I will never be a fan of any other team ever. And I've just been so passionate about the Ravens ever since. So to hear you say that, that just warms my soul. I used to bash Joe Flacco so much in my life until he won a Super Bowl. And then I'm like, I can never bash him ever again. Oh, I've, I've been a Joe Flacco apologist for my entire life for whatever, how long it was, 12 years that he was here. Absolutely love the guy. So very excited to see, uh, who does he play for now? Oh my God. Philly. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, which makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Sorry to like get on an NFL tangent. I (laughs) all day, but um, yeah, no, Joe Flacco apologist, wacko for Flacco, um, the whole deal. Yes. I love it. (laughs) I I love this. There's also a really cool story that you probably already know about Dirk and Joe Flacco bonding and sending each other jerseys and how Dirk at one point had a Flacco Jersey in his locker for a while. And like all of this stuff, it, Anyway, it's a, somebody wrote about it a long time ago. I don't even know who, who did, but okay. Back to the Mavericks. Fill in the blank. The biggest problem for the Dallas Mavericks right now is. Gosh, you put me on the spot. How do you pick just one after a game like tonight? <laughs> um, let's go with. This might be an easy one, but this is just the one that pops into my head at first. KP availability. It's not some sort of major, but not nothing at all. <laughs> I think if you can have him in the lineup on a very regular basis, and especially coming after what's been such a hot couple of games for him, not saying it makes a difference tonight because I think Philly's just at a different level and deservedly so. The Mavs aren't really in that championship contending window yet, but I think he makes a lot of games different um, when he is – there when he's not again star player that's not very you know 
<laughs> much of a hot take, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious when he's not there. No, 100%. And you know, the risk thing. So the risk thing happens and we kind of glossed over on it, um, on this podcast, but you know, the risk thing happens. I'm like air quote happens just because we didn't know about it. And then bam, in one media session, Carlisle talks about it and was like, Hey, it could have happened in January, but we're also getting more updates about it tonight. It was like no timetable. And then two days later, Hey, he's going to be good to go here in a day or so. And it's like fans will hear stuff like that and be like, all right, dang, it feels like there's all these little things that add up. Do you know any more about the wrist thing? I don't... So the only thing that I have to add to that is that after he returned and I'm going to lose track of days, so I don't even remember what team it was against, but it was last week. Um, and so after he got back, somebody asked him about it after the game. How did it feel? What is, you know, how, how much are you going to be dealing with this since you've apparently been dealing with this for a couple of months now? And he said, it's going to be something that I'm just going to have to push through and take care of after the season, which I have no idea what exactly that means to some, you say that and it's like, oh my gosh, she's getting another surgery. This is crazy. Dad, don't quote me on that. I have no, absolutely no idea, um, you know, to the extent of what that means. It could also just mean that's when I'm going to get my rest. And that's when I'm going to have a few weeks where I can just kind of sit and let that be. So it remains to be seen with that. I just think that it's, it's something that he's going to have to play through. And I think he plays through a lot more than the Mavs ever come, come out and say, or that he ever comes out and say. And so when he does miss these games for little things that pop up, or, or I shouldn't say little smaller things that pop up, I think there's a tendency to be like, Oh my gosh, he's so injury prone. How does he keep missing these games? What, what is the deal? But everybody kind of has their Nixon's two surgeries. I don't think he's any different than a, a center who's now asked to play like a guard sometimes and is now guarded like a guard sometimes and is asked to do so much more than centers used to have to do in the past. And so I think kind of where he is, they're not always forthcoming and for good reason. Why would you want to let people know that he has this injury? Why would you want, you know, to, to make it seem like every game he's got something different? I just think that sometimes the totality of it, we get so zeroed in on certain things and fans get so zeroed in that, you know, just, just in general, I think that, he's probably playing through a lot more than just the wrist right now. <laughs> As is everybody. Well, I think, you know, I think it was earlier in the season that, you know, Dorian said something and I, you, you tweeted out the, the video of it and Dorian had said something along the lines of, Hey, like KP, we know he's fighting to be out there and, you know, blah, blah. And I was like, I was waiting for it. I'm like, is that going to be a bigger story than what it is? Cause we hadn't heard like anything about that. And Dorian speaking up about that. So, I think KP is fighting to, through some things that we probably don't know. and But it, it's a testament to him and how hard he's he's fighting to be on the floor. And these past three games, he's played well. Uh, even though it didn't result in a win against the Spurs, he shot the ball well. He played really well. So we'll see how that unfolds. All right, after the break, I want to ask Callie about the KP-Luca relationship. And then that'll just be a natural thing to go into the bachelor relationships. So it's just, I mean, it's just perfect. The so, transition uh, is impeccable. Oh, what a, what a transition. It's just the best segment ever. Uh, but this podcast is also brought to you by bet online. AG It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but man, the NBA is in full swing. Go check the odds for the Mavericks and Memphis game. It's coming up. Uh, and I don't know if they have odds about it already, but they could, 
It even Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and heck, they might cover The Bachelor, reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up, and receive 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Guys, the draft's coming up. Make sure you follow Locked On NBA Draft. Get all of your analysis. All the scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts. These guys talk about the draft every single day. If you're like me, I need updated stuff on these guys. Even the Mavericks don't have a pick. I at least want to know some of these prospects coming out. So follow Locked On NBA Draft, Odyssey app, wherever you get podcasts. Callie, the Luca KP relationship. As a beat writer, beat reporter, somebody that's talking to these guys on Zoom and whatever around the team every single day. What? number out of one to 10 should fans be worried about the relationship? Ooh, another good question. Um, two, three, like, oh, I don't want to say it's like a zero because like, it's not Luca and Boban or Bobby and Toby, like where, you know, nothing could ever get in the way of true friendship. But I think, and I don't want to sound like Rick Carlisle, but to read Brad, my colleague's article about, <laughs> the relationship over the weekend I think that he said it perfectly that I don't want to speak for everybody but there's some colleagues that you get along better with than others and it doesn't professional and you know cordial and you know polite and you know friendly with one another it just means that you know sometimes you're not as outgoing with other people or sometimes you know you you just have a more natural like, visible chemistry with somebody than you don't and I think that they've given no reason to think otherwise that sure they're not you know hugging each other after every play and you know buddy buddy you know arms around each other when they're walking off the court but i don't think in order to win basketball games you need to be like that just in in the same way that anybody in their in their work doesn't need to you know be best friends with whoever sits next to them at their desk or whoever you know holds the same job title as them i think as long as you can get the job done and as long as you guys respect one another which they very obviously do um i don't think that there's any reason that you know, their, their lack of outgoing, visible friendship is, is any sort of worry point at this point. Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought up, you know, people working together in their own jobs. Cause we were talking about that the other day on the podcast. And it's like, you know, how many people listen to this podcast? You have somebody in your department or a cubicle over or whoever that you're working with, you work in a shift with somebody and you're like, Hey, I, I really don't like you. Or I'd, I'm not going to hang out with you on the weekends, but we're, we're also going to be able to work together to where we can finish this shift together or we can achieve a project together at work uh, or, you know, achieve whatever success looks like for you in your business. And yeah, I think it's obvious that KP and Luca, I don't think KP is going to be a groomsman in Luca's wedding, but I, I think that they can, uh, at this point they're they can respectfully get along on the court. And when they're both playing at the top of their games, it's very fun to watch. So I think it, but I think it's important for you to, you did, you didn't say it was a zero. And I think we've been saying it's like, Hey, it's at least something to monitor moving forward. You know, two young cornerstones of the franchise. And as it plays out through the rest of the season, what happens in the playoffs into the summer, at least monitor that relationship because they are the two cornerstones of the franchise. Yeah. I think you, you monitor any two star players relationships because just because you know, LeBron and AD may be really tight and really close doesn't mean that they won't, you know, ever butt heads once in a while or just because, you know, Utah's two stars 
seemingly at one point were, you know, butting heads with uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. I think it was right after the COVID stuff happened. Doesn't mean that they can't play well together right now or doesn't mean that they haven't, you know, talked about it and moved past it. And so I think you always kind of want to watch those relationships. And that's why Luca and KP will always be, you know, worthy of conversation and be worthy of monitoring. But at this point, I wouldn't read too much into, you know, them not being, you know, like you said, Griezmann in one another's weddings when those happen. <laughs> I meant to ask you about this earlier real quick. JJ Redick, thoughts on his debut? I thought it was solid. I mean, I don't know what you should expect for a guy in his mid-30s coming off of, what has it been, probably like five, six weeks since he's played, um, yeah. a brand new team that he's returning with, but I think he was solid. He seemed to make good cuts. He got back on D coming off a heel injury, could uh, could move as quick as that. And so I think more than anything, I would look for him to just kind of be one of those those glue guys like he likes so much about Dorian Finney-Smith and, and really making an impact maybe in the locker room more so than on the court once the playoffs really get going here. But I think so far it seems like he fits in well, and it seems like he'd fit in well in most locker rooms. So solid addition on my take. <laughs> I love – I love watching him come off screens and just move without the ball. And I'm not worried about the shot. I've seen some people are like, oh, man, he like he's rusty, guys. Like he hasn't played in six weeks. I think he had open looks. I think those looks will eventually go down. So I'm excited for him to be on this team and in the locker room. Okay, since we talked about some relationships, hey, let's talk about The Bachelor. Okay, you started watching in Colton's season. Guys, y'all can just turn the podcast off at this point. We have five minutes left, and I'm just gonna we're just gonna talk. Actually, you should be turning up the podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you started watching in Colton's season. Was the Bachelor after that Rachel? Rachel Lindsay? No, I I didn't watch Rachel. That was the first full season I watched. Because that little backstory on this. I ne- I never watched Bachelorette. Like my roommates in college, I kind of thought I was like dumb. I was like whatever. Um, and so my friends would always like text about it in our group text on Monday nights, and I just ignore those messages for a couple hours. When I moved to Dallas, like I didn't have a lot of hobbies. My hobbies were like work and exercise, which is like not a really like sustainable life to live. My parents said I needed to get a hobby, so naturally I took up watching The Bachelor and participating in the group message as my hobby. <laughs> and that is that. <laughs> now I'm into it. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Uh, okay. So who has been your favorite bachelor or bachelorette since you started watching? Mm, bachelor. There's not a lot to pick from Peter. I didn't think was like a fabulous bachelor. I had high hopes, but didn't oh, really out. And Matt didn't really know a ton about him going into it. Um, kind of wish it had been Mike Johnson. I thought that he was great coming off of Hannah B season. Love Mike Johnson. Yeah. But so I, I would go with Hannah Brown. I, I thought that she was great. I thought, um, you know, the way that she dealt with like Luke P later in the season was just inspiring. Is he the worst? Uh, absolutely the worst. <laughs> okay. You, somebody says, Callie, you are stuck on an Island. You have to be picked between Luke P and Victoria. Which one are you picking? <laughs> I'm not swimming <laughs> off the Island. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Victoria pushed, she pushed every bit of my limits of watching this TV show of I there's so many things I watch a TV show like this or any reality TV. I'm like, all right, producers are making this happen. This was the first time I'm like, all right, this is too far. Like what, what, what is this achieving at this point? It really like frustrated me. 
Yeah, I think my favorite part was when she left and not only that she was leaving, but I think just the way she called like Matt a gesture and said that she would never date a man named Matt again. And I was like, wow, that's like a blessing for all the Matts out there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I think that was my favorite part of the season, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And I loved Michelle. Uh, I loved Brie. Yeah, yes. How how this latest season finished and unfolded was so unfortunate because I loved Matt going into it. Still like Matt. I just hated how it all ended. Uh, but yeah, I, Rachel Lindsay has been my favorite like bachelorette season that I love that. See, I hated Ari. Ari season was the worst and I wasn't a fan of Peter. So Peter season was, was hard for me. Rachel Lindsay with that Dallas connection. So this is still very much related to the podcast. That's a, that's your, that's very true. I actually ran into Jojo at a dog park one time. So, uh, my wife and I, we, we love Jojo and Jordan Rogers. Uh, yeah, my, my wife was all, so I started watching this show with my wife and another couple of years ago, it started off me just making fun of the show, me and the other guy. And then we just I'm like, all right, now we're kind of locked in. And I think we all need like brain dumps in our life to get away from work and just all the stresses. And for me, watching The Bachelor is like this, this brain dump. I don't have my phone. I'm just like, you know what? This is stupid. It's drama. It's like whatever. But for those two hours, I'm just going to be sucked into the show. And I'm just like not going to think about anything else important in life. So that's The Bachelor for me. If there is, a, I'm just going to, I'm going to tie it into this. If there, if you had to pick one Dallas Maverick to be on the bachelor, which Maverick would it be? So one Maverick to be the bachelor or one to be a contestant on the bachelorette. This is a very important distinction we need to make. That's true. One to be the bachelor. Oh man. Um, gosh, uh, of the current team. I don't even know why I'm saying like past, like, of course it has to be the current team. Man, you put me on the spot. This is the toughest part. I would say, <laughs> well, Bobon would be the most entertaining, but he's married, so that That's may uh, eliminate him from contention. That's true. Mm. That's true. Yeah, g- give me Bobon. Like, uh, why not? Like, that yeah. might cr- cause a little if, bit of if Boban problems. If was single, life, but okay. it would be entertaining. Yes, a Bobon bachelorette or bachelor season. It's just endless possibilities for marketing and everything. I would, I would absolutely love it. Callie Kaplan, thank you so much. Follow her on on Twitter at is it at Callie Kaplan? Just all one one word on Twitter. Oh, sorry, honey, you cut out. What were you asking? I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good. On Twitter, is it all ca- at Callie Kaplan? All one word. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Okay, follow at Callie Kaplan on Twitter. Guys, read her stuff. You're already reading her stuff uh, at Dallas Morning News. Read the Tyrese Maxi piece. That was incredible. I love that. She did a live Q&A type thing with Boban, what, two weeks ago or last week? Something like that. Last Friday. It was last a lot Friday. of fun. <laughs> yes. Is there a way for people to go back and like read that or see Good that? question. So I'm still waiting to get a copy of the, I guess, a recording of the of the video, but I should be turning at least part of it into a blog post tomorrow or Wednesday. So that would be a way to catch up. And if you want to follow along with any other uh, opportunities for these, these live sessions, we've also done one with uh, Sean Marion and Rolando Blackman, which has been really fun uh, last year before the playoff run. So can subscribe to the Dallas Morning News. They send out 
newsletters that announce these things way ahead of time so you can sign up, get on these Zooms, ask questions to these Mavericks players, past and present. And it's been a lot of fun to host those. So hopefully the whatever I put out there about Boban tomorrow or the next day will be a good little teaser for what's to come. Yes. Well, guys, go follow her. She's awesome. Her work is amazing. And uh, it's a blessing to have her writing about the Mavericks and covering the Mavericks on a daily basis. Callie, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Isaac. This was fun.